Hey, you're listening to the Encounter Church podcast. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit us at ecdenver.org, or you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Thank you for listening. So Isabel and I are doing a co-teaching sermon today. Yay! Woohoo! Should be fun, should be entertainment. And uh, we're continuing a series that I started a little while ago on journeys with Jesus. So when I was talking with Q- Cutie, that's what I call her. You cannot call her yep. Cutie, but I can. When I was talking with Isabel about it, I was like, ooh, we should do a team one. She's like, oh, that would be so fun. I said, that's great. So we could do like travel tips. Because if anybody likes travel, Isabel, myself, and we're really pretty good at it. Yeah. Pretty, pretty good at it. So we're going to be giving you some travel tips um, not only for practical traveling, but also in your journeys with Jesus. And so as you think about that, uh, we're going to kind of talk through three areas that would be good tips for you. And the first one relates to having a passport. Passport. Now, you'll notice that <laughs> this one's my passport. <laughs> it's a little frayed. It, like, I had it for like, I think a month and I accidentally washed it. You know, put it in there because I wasn't thinking when I was home. And uh, so it kind of fell apart. So I stapled the back cover together, used a, or a luggage tag to kind of seal it together. And so it's a little worn, but uh, whenever I use it, it still is very, very effective. But it's very important that you have a passport. Why? Yeah. So um, when you are going to another country, a passport reminds you of where you're from. It reminds you of who you are. You have a cute picture inside. It has your, well, I have a cute picture inside. Um, <laughs> but it reminds you of who you are and where you came from. And as we look at journeys with Jesus, we're going to be looking at Peter and his journey with Jesus. And, you know, he had a pretty long season with Jesus from the very beginning till the end of his life till after the end of his life and then even after the end of Jesus' life. Um, but... The very first thing that Jesus did with Peter is he established him in his identity. And we read about this in Matthew 4. And it says, Now Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, or fishers of people. And here we have two fishermen. And that is their identity. That is their job. They are fishing. But Jesus says, I've called you to be fishers of men. And so we have a shift in this identity with Peter. His name is even Simon, and Jesus changes his name to Peter, Petros, the rock on which I will build my church. And Peter, <laughs> this is what I like about passports, is, um, how, do I, how do I put this? Specific passports can only get you into certain countries, a couple years ago, how many of you remember the fearful days of COVID and everyone said, don't have an American passport, countries won't let you in. Thank you, Jesus, that that's over. But I was reading online, they said, get a German passport, get this, because without the right passport, you can't get into this country. Family, without the right identity, you can't get into the calling that Jesus has for you. Jesus has a deep plan and a calling in the intrinsic being of your very nature. But until you align your own mind, your own way that you speak and you view yourself with his identity for you, there are doors that should be open for you that will be closed because you have to be established in your identity. Peter the fisherman couldn't do all the things that Peter the fisher of man did. 
Peter the fisherman could stay on his boat. In fact, after Jesus dies, he goes right back to his boat. And Jesus says, stop it. Come and do ministry with me. Peter traveled around the world. He saw signs, wonders, and miracles. Peter the fisherman could never have seen the lame walk, the blind see, the mute speak. He wouldn't have seen his savior die and come back from the dead. But because he fell into alignment with the identity that Jesus put on his life, when he called himself what Jesus called him, he was able to go through open doors. He was able to get his passport stamped. (laughs) Samaria. (laughs) Um, Jerusalem. All these places. But he got opportunities. That's only because he sacrificed his identity to Jesus. and He brought his calling into alignment. So... What do you do after you get your passport? You establish your identity. What's step two? And sometimes your identity might be a little worn around the edges. Mm-hmm. Might be a little frayed and frazzled. It's not the end of the world. It's not like you still can't uh, walk in the fullness. Yeah. Might a little w- worse for the wear, but still very effective and useful no matter what. And the other thing I love about passports with Jesus, your identity with Jesus, it does not expire. Mm. <laughs> These expire. Ugh, pain in the neck. But your identity with Jesus never expires. So, so helpful. And don't let it expire, right? Some of you need to kind of refresh and reboot some of that identity. So another travel tip that would be helpful for us is packing your luggage. So this luggage is Isabel's. Can you guess? And uh, tell us a little bit about your preferred method of luggage. So this is my travel backpack. I got it when I was 16 years old. I went on a missions trip to Europe. Some of you helped fund that trip. Thank you. Um, And they gave these out, and they're the exact size as the overhead compartment. So this has been to Europe, Brazil, Israel, Cambodia, Europe again, the United States. But it's been everywhere with me, and I like it because it's a backpack, and it holds a lot. I lived for two weeks out of this backpack once um, through the power of God. Um, (laughs) But you can take it with you everywhere, and it has straps, you know. You can put it across your belly, and it takes kind of the pressure off your shoulders. But it's extremely portable, very wearable, and customizable, (laughs) which is what I like. (laughs) How about you? What's what's my preferred luggage is roller bag because I don't want to carry all that stuff. I just want to roll <laughs> it, and uh, that's my preference. And um, there's also different um, styles for packing. So, for example, when Isabel went to Europe, they had you like squeeze every, roll everything up, and like be very organized and pristine with all of that, right? Yeah, a girl brought a hair dryer and left it behind at the first stop because hmm. it was such a pain to carry along. Yeah. But some of us don't pack with such organized um, precision. Some of us pack more kind of organically. And so, <laughs> like, you just throw it in. And then when TSA opens it, they're like, whoa, it's an actual bomb in there. Because it went off. Oh, boy. That would be more like my style, you know. Oh, you know, got it good enough, close enough. But you're like, what does that have to do with Peter? What does it have to do with us? And travel tips. And one of the things that Jesus says, and this is in uh, Luke 9, verse 3, is he says, take nothing for the journey, neither a staff, bag, bread, money. Don't even take two tunics. And the idea of this is, and Jesus is sending out 70 of his disciples to do ministry, but the idea of this is to pack light. <laughs> How many of you ever overpacked? I brought too much. 
right? And, and I think as we do our journey with Jesus, family, there are things we need to let go of. They're, they're too heavy. Cares, concerns, fears, worries, anxieties, uncertainties, unforgiveness. There are things that I think we pick up from time to time that we carry that are far too heavy. And Jesus says, come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And if you're carrying things and it's like, this is so heavy, I have to carry this and this and, and, and various uh, weights that we have, people that we have, responsibilities. Is this really what God has assigned to us? And whether you pack like, you know, unorganized, whether you pack in precision and, and everything, Jesus tells us to pack light. Cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. And I know that we hear this from time to time, and you're like, yeah, I already know that. But I think we need helpful reminders. Because we, care, we can, stuff can kind of cling on to us, hold on. Can, we can carry it, and it can weigh us down, bog us down, deplete energy. That's one of the reasons why I don't want to carry a backpack anymore, because I don't want to waste all my energy with a backpack. I just want to roll the thing, Right? carry it and then if I have to get somebody to lift it into the overhead bin for me but I just want to encourage you that we travel light travel light you don't have to carry some of the things that you carry they're not necessary they're not helpful to you they don't add value they're not constructive for you in your day-to-day day in and day out some of the memories some of the things that we've had and that have hung on to us it's time to let go Time to let go. Sometimes it can be not only unforgiveness and burdens and worries and cares, anxieties. Sometimes they can be relational baggage. Sometimes it can be addiction issues for us. And you're like, well, you know, I'd like to get rid of that. I just don't know how. But I really believe that with Jesus' help, he can absolutely carry. And we can cast those things onto him and let, let him carry our burdens. Because I have been places and seasons and situations where I've seen people carry a boatload of luggage. They could put their first child in the size of luggage that they have. (laughs) I'm like, you buy it, you carry it. And I don't think we have to carry all the things that we do. I think Jesus says, you know, come to me. Take my yoke. My burden is light. You don't have to carry everything that you have. So pack light. Unload your trunk junk in the trunk, pack light, and, and be L-I-T-H-E, lithe, means to have light uh, paces, light pacing with Jesus, and that you have agility. When you pack too heavy, you lack agility, and you're always tired and worn down. Yeah. Pack light. And I know even with my own experiences with addiction and fear and unforgiveness, something that was really helpful for me was to pack my bag every morning and remind myself every morning, I'm free from this addiction. I am not afraid. I am a woman of God. I am established in my identity, and I'm not going to bring this into my day today. I'm not going to bring this into my prayer time with God because he's already taken care of it for me. And so sometimes you pack your bag at the beginning, but you have to repack your bag along the way. Take some stuff out. Pack it for the next day. Pack it for the next day. And one extravagance. Yeah, so part of my packing style practically is I always take an extravagance with me whenever I pack. And for our family, an extravagance is anything that 
you are unwilling to leave behind. Because the rule has been my whole life, if you're going overseas, your bag might get lost, so don't pack anything that you don't want to get lost. But I always take something that I would mind getting lost, just to kind of poke the devil in the face a little bit, but also to make my journey more bearable. Um, I'd take a bottle of nail polish or a deck of cards, because um, I love playing card games. Right, Renee? Yeah, that's what's up. Um, and then this past one, this trip with my dad, we went to Europe. I did a bottle of perfume. And I think that we don't often talk about the two sides of extravagance because God wants to bless you extravagantly. When you travel, he wants to make, you know, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He wants to bless you. But the other side of that is you're blessed extravagantly to bless extravagantly. God gives you amazing opportunities. I um, was in a youth service and a pastor told me this amazing testimony about how God, you know, gave her $50 and he said, she goes, I'm going to spend this on gas and food. And the Lord said, buy a new stereo for your car. This is an extravagance that I have for you. But on the other side of it, she got to sew in money to other people. When I was really really little, I brought a necklace with me to Ethiopia. Mom and I were in Ethiopia for a season. And at the end of the trip, I had made all these little pals, and one of them loved this necklace. And she would always wear it, and we would switch jewelry back and forth. This was my favorite necklace. I'm seven years old, right? I'm a kid, and I'm, I can hear the voice of God, because kids hear the voice of God sometimes stronger than we can. And I felt like the Lord told me to leave this necklace with this girl. And I was so sad, but I left it with her. And on the other side, there was a church member who blessed me with a whole box of jewelry, right? Like, if I hadn't been obedient and blessed her extravagantly, that cost me something. It cost me something to bless her in that way. But on the other side, the Lord blessed me. And it's this cyclical thing where you bless extravagantly and you are blessed extravagantly. And I think of the woman with the bottle of perfume. And she breaks this bottle on Jesus' feet. And Judas is like, that could have been used to feed the poor. Jesus said, this is appropriate what she has done. She is blessing me with her extravagance. It's totally unnecessary from a practical viewpoint, but on the other side of it, it's absolutely necessary because Jesus deserves the praise. He deserves the honor. He deserves our extravagance. So are there areas in your life where you're pouring into Jesus, but you could be pouring more extravagantly? going above and beyond, something that might cost you a little bit more. But on the other side of it, it's appropriate that you give Jesus your extravagance. So yeah. I like it. I like it. My extravagance is the coffee. Yeah. We've already talked about that. <laughs> you could do a whole sermon on coffee. Uh, Let's I could, real. I could. But it wouldn't necessarily be helpful to you. So we got identity with your passport. That's tip number one. Tip number two Luggage, how to pack, pack light, don't bring a lot of extra stuff. Tip number three is the unexpected. <laughs> Some of us in the room online, we like to plan and have our trips well organized. We know what we're doing every day. Da, 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 da. How many of you are kind of like that? Itinerary, scheduled, kind of. And some of us in the room online were a little more organic, a little less planned. So how many of you relate to that concept, right? So unexpected because no matter how well you plan a trip you will always have the unexpected mom do you have an example of that i do <laughs> i have a boatload of examples but 
Uh, one time I was traveling with a friend who will remain nameless, because I put my hand on my heart that I would never rat her out. But um, she's kind of more the plan type person. And she went with me, and so she's like, well, you know, I'll adapt to your style. But uh, we, were, we had taken an overnight flight, and we were going through the airport in Hong Kong. And uh, it was really early in the morning, like we landed at 4.30 a.m. or something like that. And she had on this, like, long skirt, um, super practical and real comfortable. And we're bleary-eyed because we traveled through the night, right? And we're, like, and not paying attention real well. So I'm ahead of her, and uh, we're going down this escalator. And all of a sudden, I'm on the bottom of it, and I hear this, ah! And her skirt got caught in the escalator, right? And she's like, Sarah! And I'm like, and I turn around, and the escalator's eating her skirt, and she's like, what, do I step out of it? Do I hold on to it? What do I do? And I'm like, uh, highly unexpected. And so finally, she literally rips her skirt out of the escalator, and the bottom of it is frayed and everything, and she's like, why didn't you help me? I said, I didn't know what to do. It was kind of like unexpected. It shocked me that you're, I didn't, you know, like, and she was like, well, I would have been really embarrassed. I said, well, we got extra clothes, you know, something. But it was really funny. So again, I said I would never uh, name name this person because, her, because it would, like, be embarrassing to her. So nevertheless, she didn't lose her skirt, <laughs> the unexpected. But I say share that example because when you travel, you always have unexpected. And when Peter traveled with Jesus, there was unexpected, several unexpected things. So, for example, one example is when Peter was in the boat, and there was a storm, and Jesus is sleeping. No, 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 Jesus isn't even in the boat with him. And, and Jesus comes walking on the water, and, Jesus, and Peter says to him, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And Jesus says, come on. So Peter gets out of the boat and starts to walk. But because he got distracted by stuff around him, reasonably so, he starts to sink unexpected, right? I don't think he expected to get out of the boat in the first place and really walk, but he did it. And then when he's doing it, the unexpected, more winds, more waves, and he starts to sink unexpected. And you will always have unexpected things in your journey, in your journey of life, in your journey with Jesus, travel tips. And so in this situation, the key thing is Jesus as your focal point. Lord, help me. And Jesus reaches out and grabs him. Because when you have unexpected things, we get distracted. We get freaked out. <gasps> you know, panic attack, worry. Oh, my gosh, you know, unexpected bill, unexpected health crisis. Something happened. But Jesus, when we keep Jesus as our focal point, then no matter what's unexpected, he can rescue us and pull us out of drowning <laughs> and a train wreck. Yeah, and another example of... Um unexpected instances is in John 4 when Peter comes back from Samaria and sees Jesus talking with a Samaritan woman. That's a little bit unexpected. You go into the city for food and you come back and your teacher is talking with a filthy woman in the middle of the day. This is not someone that you want to be around. This is like, this is embarrassing probably for him. And it says, at this point, the disciples came and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, what are you seeking? Or why are you speaking with her? And I think the key here is coaching the moment. Because if this was, you know, Samaritans are used over and over again to kind of be the, the icky 
people, you know, you're talking about trauma with this, the Good Samaritan and stuff. But, you know, they could have easily been like, okay, Jesus, let's grab you. Let's keep moving. But they knew that this moment was significant. And Jesus knew that this moment, there was too much writing on this conversation with the woman at the well. Because we look into the future and we see that she goes down, she says, come and meet the man who told me everything I did. And this whole little town has an experience with Jesus. And what started out as a shocking no-no, as an unexpected conversation, as kind of like a, what do we do? This is kind of scary turned into this ministry opportunity that affected every person in there. And they all got to meet Jesus. And, you know, Peter waited for Jesus. He coached the moment. He waited for Jesus to move, and then he moved. And so sometimes I think of even, um, so I'm I'm a TA, or I was a TA in college, and there was a student who loved to talk, and the rule was you never let the student talk with the professor because they'll talk for hours and hours and hours, and the professor won't get to the next class. So I saw him talking to the professor, and my gut instinct was like, let me go and rescue you, sir. Um, But he kind of like waved me away, and it turns out that this one kid was having a deep and important conversation with this professor, and was lots of stuff were coming to light. And because I was you know, obedient to the professor, and I listened to what he said, they were able to form this relationship that carried them through the next two years. And I mean, this kid was really impacted by that one conversation. And so are there unexpected areas where your gut reaction is to react? You know, you see someone with giant earrings at the gas station, or you're walking through uh, Walmart, and someone is, you know, wearing clothes that you don't really like, and your first reaction is to, you know, turn away and get away from them. But what if Jesus is coaching that moment for you to love someone in the way that they deserve to be loved? What if that moment is an opportunity for Jesus to speak to them through you? So coach the moment. Don't be afraid of scary people, but listen to what Jesus is saying and be obedient. And another unexpected um, time with Jesus was, for Peter, was the transfiguration. So if you think about it, Jesus is talking, Peter, James, John, all three of them are up on the mountain. They've fallen asleep, and as they're sleeping, Jesus is transfigured, starts to glow and shine, And he's talking with Moses and Elijah when Peter, James, and John wake up. That's kind of a shocking, like, nap alert, you know, kind of, oh, my gosh. What an alarm. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, if you wake up in a nap and Jesus is right there glowing in front of you, you'd probably be a little bit unexpected, like, right? And that was Peter, James, and John. And Peter kind of did his normal speak before you think, right? (laughs) Open mouth, shove foot push hard. That was Peter. Um, And I think sometimes when we have the unexpected, a lot of times we default to kind of our natural whatever go-to. And Peter's go-to was talk. Just talk. Say something, but anything, and it might be wrong, might be right, might be in the middle. Who knows, but talk. Because talking for Peter seemed to solve a whole bunch of things, except when it didn't. (laughs) And in this scenario, when you have unexpected, and I like what God does with Peter. And I'll build, we can build three tents here, one for da 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 And God from heaven, the Father, says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Zip it. 
<laughs> and I would say, you know, for some of us, it's less talking, more listening. For some of us, it's actually to talk, whatever. But I think in the moment of the unexpected, what's really important to do is pause. Pause. You're like, uh, wait a second and pause. Don't immediately react. Don't go with necessarily your first instinct. Pause. There was a scenario, I remember I was traveling and uh, I went to a country and they looked at my passport and they're like, huh, you have a whole lot of like little stamps in here from very um, challenging countries, questionable countries, that's a better way to say it, questionable countries. And they started, they pulled me off to the side and they started to, in essence, interrogate me. Like, why do you have all this and what are you doing here and da 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 and and I remember initially I was like I was a little afraid because I was like, what are you gonna do? But then I was like, I took a couple deep breaths and I was like, okay, you know, just settle into it and let's just go on with whatever's going on here. And as I paused, I really sensed and it was really it was quite an unusual experience for me with God because I sensed God giving me peace in my heart. And even though people, they were, and you know, they were intimidating guns and all this stuff. And, and, I, and I, I wouldn't necessarily go into all the details because you don't need to know. But what you do need to know is that in the pause, I felt God's spirit, Holy Spirit, come to me, settle me, and give me peace. That no matter what was happening around me, who was talking to me, what they, guns or no guns, whatever, I had peace in my own soul. And I could tell that they were like, why, are they, why is she so? And I was like, I don't have anything to hide. I'm not lying. I know it seems like a highly unusual story that I'm telling you, but it's just the nature of <laughs> my life and my identity, highly unusual. Um, but, and it was interesting because I, as I came through that and they finished up and they didn't find any like bombs or weapons or whatever, whatever they were looking for. And I was like, you know what? I walked away and I had such astounding peace in my soul. I mean, it was that peace that passes all understanding. Like, I couldn't explain it. If I look back, and I did. I looked back on it later. I was like, wow. They did da-da-da-da-da, and I didn't chew my nails. <laughs> I didn't freak out. But I want to say that with all unexpected, it's important to pause. Pause instead of just reacting. Peter reacted. God kind of level set him. Let's take a pause. Let's be quiet and settle into this for a little minute. Because God knows the end from the beginning. And a lot of times it can be difficult to pause because um, we think of time as very uh, moving fast. And we think, well, God, if I don't do something, it's not going to get done. But pause and rest is a trust issue. You're saying, God, I trust you enough to do your will when I am inactive. Because sometimes, I am so guilty of this, I am a big on control. The Lord is really working, but I'm like, Lord, I need this to happen in this way, in this time. Please let A and B equal C, and then C and D equal E. And if it doesn't equal that, I mean, it's fine, but it's really not fine. But when Jesus says, pause, <laughs> I'm working in the rest. I'm working in the pause. I'm working while you linger in my presence. 
And I love lingering in his presence. I love lingering in those moments of peace because it almost, it feels like an indulgence, almost like, ooh, I get to spend extra time with Jesus in this moment of worship. I love worship here because Pastor Bree is so intentional about lingering in a moment with the Lord. And I think sometimes we can be like, okay, this feels like kind of wrong that we've been, you know, in this amazing place with Jesus so long. We've got to move on and start doing the important stuff. That is the most important thing. Being with Jesus is the most important. And so I would encourage you, start trusting God with your time because he is able to do what you cannot do. And trusting God with your rest. Rest is a trust issue. God, I'm going to obey your commandment to rest, to take a Sabbath, and I'm going to trust that you are able to do things in your will, and it's going to happen. And I'm going to follow your commandments. I'm going to move when you say move. I'm going to stop when you say stop. And I'm going to rest when you say rest. Totally good. So a couple takeaways that we would say for you in your travel tips and journey with Jesus. Number one, um, who does God say that you are? Right? And being aware of that identity and carrying that passport identity with you um, wherever you go. Regardless of what the enemy says, regardless of how you feel, that who does God say you are? And staying in that identity. Yeah. Number um, two. Less is more. Oh, I need this one. <laughs> um, what are you carrying with you that you need to pull out of your bag? Is there fear? Fear is debilitating sometimes. But, you know, Jesus can take it away if you ask him to. Examine your own baggage. Examine your own luggage. And say, Lord, what part, where do you need to take out of this? And alongside that, Lord, what is, you know, something that is uh, very extravagant that I need to carry with me in order to sow into the next person? Is there an extravagance that I should be taking that's not with me? And what should I leave behind? Nice. And then finally, take your anxiety cues from Jesus. You're like, what do you mean anxiety Oof. cues? Well, when unexpected things happen, Sometimes that makes us anxious, right? <clears throat> What's going to happen? <clears throat> but if you look to Jesus taking cues, Jesus already knew, knows what's happening, is already in this situation, is already, already has the resources and the solutions. So take your cues from Jesus rather than the unexpected. Because if we always react to the unexpected, then we're not nestling into Jesus, helping us navigate unexpected things in life. So these are some travel tips with Jesus. And as we think about this, um, among those three takeaways here at the end, I'd like for you to find one of those. Who does God say you are? Less is more. Anxiety cues from Jesus. Among those three, number one, two, and three, I want you to think in your mind for just a moment, which one is the most difficult for you? Which one of those three? For some of us in the room, less is more. We have so much luggage, junk in the trunk. For some of us in the room, it's the identity issue. For some of us, anxiety is like, whew. So among those three, one, two, or three, pick the one that's most difficult for you. And I want to pray for everyone in the room, everyone online that is wrestling with whatever that particular one is. So on your finger, if you pick one, who does God say you are, identity, two is less is more. Just put on your, on your fingers whichever one it is, and let's just hold those up with God. 
either three, one, so us, or two. Let's just hold up our fingers, whichever one you pick. And I'm going to pray for all of us. So, Father, I thank you for each person in the room, each person online. We're letting you know that this number, whether it's anxiety, less is more, our identity. For some of us, God, it's all of them. <laughs> We're like, oof. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you help us. We ask you to be our helper in these things. Remind us when we're carrying too much, wrong burdens. Remind us of identity. When the enemy speaks lies, that your truth defends us from those lies. When we're anxious, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would remind us to look to Jesus, be our focal point. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that as we do our journey in life, you help us to walk with you. And walking with you as your son, as your daughter, in the fullness of your design that you live in us. And you confirm our identity in you as God's son, God's daughter. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us, helping us to remember and being our reminder for each of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So mom and I are going to take some time to minister some verses. Here at Encounter Church, we believe in word of wisdom, word of knowledge. We think that the Holy Spirit is working now and speaking to us and speaking to us for each other. We love community. We love unity. So the Lord dropped some verses into our hearts. Um, ma'am in the back in the white with the blonde hair, wave at me. Yeah. Um, the verse that I have for you is Lamentations 3, 19 through 22. And it says, remember my affliction and my wandering in the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope that the Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases for his compassions never fail. And I think the Lord is saying that um, he's done some amazing miracles in your life. And sometimes when we are in seasons and times of um, lament, and anger and confusion and heartbreak, it can be difficult to keep those at the forefront of our minds. But the Lord is saying, your soul remembers more than your flesh remembers. Your spirit remembers my goodness. And so remind yourself of the things that God has done where he has said, my promises are yes and amen. There are promises that he's given you that have not come to fulfillment yet, but he says they are for you. So remember my faithfulness, remember my loving kindness. I am God, I am God over this area of your life, this area of your life, this area of your life. And he loves you so much and he wants good, amazing things for you. So remember all the ways that he's been faithful and force yourself to remember it because sometimes our flesh doesn't want that, but our spirit does. Nice. Additionally, I have a verse for a gentleman on the way back wrote and you have on a red shirt and you're sitting next to, a, yep, thank you. <clears throat> the verse I have for you is Job 20 verse 20. And I'm going to do this kind of on a flip side. The verse says, because he knew no quiet within him, he does not retain anything he desires. And God wants to encourage you to keep some quiet in your soul. Because the key to obtaining um, some of the desires that you have is to keep that quiet. To keep that peace and to nestle into God. Because on the other side of that quiet 
is acquiring, is having the things that you desire, possessing, retaining the things that are valuable to you. And a lot of times it, you'll want to chase after the things that are valuable and, and meaningful things that you want. And it's like you keep chasing after it. It's like chasing the wind. And God is saying to you, if you'll stay peaceful, quiet, and, and settled in with me, I will give you those things. And there'll be consequences of the peace that you maintain and the quiet and the, and the confident security that you have with me. Because God will be the fulfillment on the inside. And then the other stuff will come alongside as, as the consequence, the result of keeping that peace and quiet with God on the inside. Yeah, and Oakley, wave at me. I've got um, Luke 4, 18 through 19. This is Jesus talking out of Isaiah. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospels of the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And Jesus is saying that he has a very specific calling on your life. And sometimes it can feel scary to walk out that calling and to walk in who you are and who Jesus has called you to be. But he's giving you boldness to be established into your calling. The Spirit of the Lord is on you. The Holy Spirit is even now drawing close to you and he's He's giving peace to your mind. He's releasing tensions in your shoulders. He's giving you peace in your belly where there was um, nervousness and confusion. The Holy Spirit is bringing peace. And it says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Um, and there are people around you who need to know that Jesus loves them and that Jesus is good and that he has good things for you. And he's giving you boldness and the right words to speak to these people. And you'll be in situations and you'll say, Jesus, I've never been in this situation before. And he's giving you boldness to say, Holy Spirit, speak through me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is a good, a favorable year of the Lord. And going forward, you are proclaiming it. This is a favorable year of the Lord. And I really believe that the Lord is going to move in the prophetic in you if you say yes. And the Holy Spirit's never going to force himself to do something that you don't want to do. He's not going to force himself on you. He wants to move with you. He wants a relationship with you. And so if you say yes, he will honor your yes. And moving forward, he will draw close to your heart. And you won't even know that you're doing it. It'll just feel like a second nature to you. And then I have a verse through, uh, for this lady through here. You have on a print shirt. I think it's white and blue and glasses. And you're like nodding your head so you know it's you. Yep. Um, the verse I have for you is First John 3 verse 1. And it says, See how great a love the Father has given to us that we would be called children of God. And such we are. And in the Greek it's behold what manner, what quality of love God has given to you. And the quality of love that God has given to you is the confirmation that you're God's daughter and being secure in that. And God is encouraging you to nestle in and settle into God's love for you as a father and also as a mom. God is both parents, God the Father, as well as God our mom. That God's love for you is all-inclusive, paternal, parental love that absolutely identifies and solidifies you as a daughter, belonging, and not orphan, not looking from the outside, knocking on the window, watching everybody inside. The fam you are family. You have a chair at the table, and at the with your name on that chair, you belong. And you're not there as a side gig or, or a servant that's bringing all them. You belong at the table as, a, as an equal family member because that is God's love for you 
God's love for you goes far beyond what you've known in a natural context with human parents and, and whatever the likelihood around you with humanity. God's love for you is all-encompassing and pulls up a chair for you at the table and says, Welcome, daughter. Uh, you're wonderfully, fearfully made in my image, and I'm so delighted that you're here. So settle into that and rest in that reality that you're God's daughter, fearfully, wonderfully made, and deeply, deeply loved. As we reach a, a time of pause for this ministry, um, if one of those words ministered to you and you weren't the intended recipient, I mean, God's words are true. So receive it. Just kind of tag yourself onto those. Um, and along the same lines, if you did receive a word and it did minister to you, come up and ask for prayer. We have prayer people. Come and say hi. Mom's a little bit scarier than I am, but I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to pray for us as we... Um, just pause in this moment and we linger and I would encourage you as I pray ask the Holy Spirit is there anything else you want to say to me be open and if you're writing notes journal them down write them down so Lord we thank you so much for this opportunity to get to spend time together in community in your presence Jesus thank you that you established the church and that we are honored to get to represent your church to the best of our ability. Thank you that we are the bride and that you are the groom. And Lord, thank you for giving us a new awareness of your love for us. Thank you that we get to go on a journey with you. Um, and Lord, as much as we can prepare, we know that you are in charge when the unexpected things happen. So if there are people in here who need to remember who they are, who you have called them to be, Lord, if there are new identity markers that need to be placed on people, will you remind them in their innermost being? Lord, for those um, who need to leave behind some things in this room today. They need to walk out of this room and leave behind fear, to leave behind addiction. And if every day, Lord, will you remind them to leave it behind? Every day is a new day. Your mercies are new every morning. And Lord, for those of us who struggle with the unexpected, will you give us flexibility? Will you give us positivity? And will you um, create a new awareness of your plan in our heart? May we always seek you more than we seek answers. May we seek you more than we seek anything else. So Lord, we give you this time that we get to spend together. We give you the rest of the day, the rest of the week, and we commit our hearts and our souls to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit ecdenver.org or find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.